Oh, <laughs> yeah, well, right. yeah. Right. right, body noises while we go live. Yeah. Right, uh, we live for like 10 seconds through that entire noise thing you just did. It's beautiful. Uh, good evening, and welcome to episode 142 of Rugiders, uh, the Beer and Comics podcast. Um, you're joined this evening by this week's commercial bar in Dunfermline's winning pub quiz team, the, the Brugaders. Uh, Cam- 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 bar of the, the year, Scottish Bar of the Year, was it? Was Scottish one? Bar of the Year, yeah. The reigning pub quiz champions. The uh, of the best we've even like not got David with us because David wasn't there on Saturday Sunday so he can't even claim to be part of the team didn't he need him didn't he need him <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if we'd had him though gee boy we would have been oh yeah we'd have 50 points or something we would have been, which, been right up there which of the questions we got wrong would you have got right do you think you would have known who Thomas Wankel was um, you know what? I I was so close to the the, the Wanko engine because what did I go for the Herschel engine or something? Herschel, yeah. something weird like that. But yeah, I, I don't know my Wanko my Wanks from my Hershey's. That probably means nothing to anybody listening in. But one of the questions was, what was the odd name of a combustion a type of combustion engine built in by in, by a German engineer in I think the nineteen fifties. And it was the Wanko engine, which we didn't get right. We failed that one. We did, we did giggle a wee bit because obviously Wanko is quite a funny word. Yeah, because we're over drug school boys. And it was like, right, so we had <laughs> my favourite bit of the quiz, I was explaining this to my friend at work because she follows the Brugaders and she was like, oh, congratulations on your win. I was like, uh, congratulations on our demolition. <laughs> I was like, it was a little, going into the last round, we were nine points ahead, I think. And then they're like, last round is classic sci-fi. It's like... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're hardly going to do badly in that one, are we? Um, right, so yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're buzzing. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks for the commercial. We're having those great beers as always, great, great blethers. And we finished up the week evening with more money than we started it with, which is unheard of when you go to the bar. So, so good. Um, we're really, um, I'm really excited this evening because, uh, I don't know. Right, I don't know. I had I had I had a bit for this because I, I know when David did his thing a bit for with Frank quietly, like written loads and loads and loads of stuff about uh, about how much he totally loved Frank quietly and wanted to marry him and stuff like that. And then he obviously announced that at um, at Glasgow Comic Con. But um, uh, yeah, uh, I uh, I don't know. Yeah, let me start again. Okay, our guest this evening is a lecturer on the uh, BA Honours course for Comic and Concept Art at Leeds University. Um, he is an independent cartoonist and freelance illustrator, specialising in work for all the ages and YA market. Um, for the for the all ages and YA market. Um, so he practice uh, research focused on the development of unique visual vocabulary and narrative possibilities of comics as a universal language and educational tool. Um, he explores this in his ongoing award-nominated series, The Legend of La Mariposa, as well as his contributions to series such as Afterlife, Inc., and anthologies such as Knife Point Horror and Strange Romance. He also did, among loads of other things, the cover work for The Spirit of Inky, issue three, which is... Uh, Shame, shameless, shameless plug. It's cool, shameless. It's good, though. It's great, look at that. Bloody brilliant. Great, um, great cover, yeah. It is a great cover for a... A middling to okay comic. <laughs> um, I we I met James 
um, the first time as a total fanboy when uh, at MCM about four years ago, five years ago, um, uh, and then I might even been about the same sort of time, maybe a couple of months before Colin brought me back the climb, the Lamb Mariposa, the climb. You went to a convention that I was at and brought it, and right, like, oh, I think you like this comic. It's about wrestling, and uh, I did. And uh, I know for me, wrestling's a massive part of my life. So like, I would genuinely put, genuinely, generally put the discoverment of La Mariposa up there with things like mankind getting thrown off the hill in a cell or um, I don't know when uh, Chris Jericho won both world titles in one night or all these other things that I can name drop just to make Colin go shut up and move on. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, for the, I, please welcome my f- genuine favorite comic creator of all time, uh, James Lawrence. Hello. Woo, woo, woo. Hi, James. Hey, folks, how's it going? It's all big, good. All big, good. He's, he's, he's big, big quite big. He's actually nine words. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite quiet. What was that? <laughs> Say again? I didn't hear what Andrew said. I've seen he's big job quite big there, James. Um, yeah, I heard. Very, very flattering. Thank you. Uh, actually, I, I want to say they're my words, but Leeds University do a really good like record. <laughs> I take that off oh. the Leeds University website. Oh, that's because I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I wrote my own bio for the staff page and took took the photo as well. Yeah. That's, that's the only way to do it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, like, uh, I like the fact that you... Um, Put my comics on the same echelon as a man almost falling to his death. <laughs> <laughs> the mankind hell in this album. Mankind well, as well. Well, well, it's just um, it's just iconic <laughs> moments in wrestling. Um, oh no, no, I get it, I get it. I just thought it was funny. Like, yeah, that was. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to uh, pleasure to be here, guys. How is um how is life treating you at the moment? Good man. Uh, Kickstarter number three is obviously launching next week, so I'm just kind of like laser focused on getting that going. I'm at that stage now where I'm kind of like everything's done, but I'm convinced that I've forgotten something. So I'm just like checking my spreadsheets every like two hours, and you know, frantically sending emails and all kinds of stuff. So I'm just like going, oh my god. Um, yeah, but it's good. I'm excited, and obviously, I'm enjoying the heat as well. <laughs> so I've, been, I've been, been sat in my back garden slowly cooking, reading comics Super. not nope. quite that heat up here unfortunately I know, I know down, down south you're getting much better weather than we are so um, it's, it's nice here, it's pleasant, don't get me wrong but yeah, we're not having the melting into our, melting into our furniture that you're getting um, it's weird because like the only time I go to Glasgow is for the cons um which take place around the summertime so in my mind glasgow's like a tropical paradise because i only <laughs> ever go in like the height of like july or like june so like, i've never i've never seen the actual glasgow weather that it's famous for i think i think in history that's the first time glasgow's ever been referred to as a tropical paradise yeah, totally. <laughs> even even you know even the uh, botanical gardens I mean, I, I got a taste of it because I um, 
I was roaming around the town on 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 the Friday night, just in in, in my shorts and t-shirt. Felt great, and then emerged from a pub uh, in the wee hours, and I felt like the bite of the wind. Um, and I I was like, oh, this is what it's actually probably like. And of course, that's like that's, hate of, that's, that's the hate of July in Glasgow, yeah. in it, the bite of the wind. Yeah, exactly. So I'm just like, I, I I've gone full Yorkshireman since I moved to Leeds. So like, I now think that I can handle weather, but like, you know, I'm waiting for a taxi in my shorts and t-shirt, uh, like me, like just after midnight, uh, in the middle of Glasgow, and I'm just like, just every muscle's clenched. And meanwhile, like some young thing, in kind of like much less clothing, is just walking by, like it's still twenty degrees. Trying out in Newcastle, um, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is in Newcastle. Um, you'll see some people wearing the least amount of clothes, like clothes I wouldn't even walk about the house in. Uh, you'll see because it's young ladies particularly, but um, you'll see young lads in, in t-shirts and shorts, and, and young ladies in not very much. Uh, Newcastle, I think it's a, it's a point of pride for them. But, uh, yeah. mm. Do you think that's officially like showing your age? Do you think like when you there's like a moment in life where you go from being like. She looks really pretty to Jesus Christ. She needs a coat. Oh yeah, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're officially that old, you know. <laughs> she must be freezing. Look at that. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're old. <laughs> I, I got there a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, so, I can't um, say. I was just like, should catch, oh, should catch a death. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So um, yeah, we're, before we start. Because once I, I think we start blithering about Lamar Alposa and and what you've been working on, um, I, I, I probably won't be able to stop. We will chat about what beers we're drinking. And those Collins is like sitting there, prayed in place on the over his. You like your your beer almost looks like a parrot, Colin. It's like, yeah, for sure. Yeah, this one here. I I don't know if I've uh, reviewed this one before. It tastes very familiar. Orange hop IPA from Stuart Bray. Mm. So Edinburgh uh, Brewer, um, it's uh, 4.6%. It's very, it's got a definite, you know, orange um, flavour about it, that's for sure. Kind of strong, kind of Jaffae orange, it's even orange in colour. Um, it's quite pleasant, quite a pleasant beer. Um, and it seems really familiar. I don't know, I can't remember having this one before, but I've certainly had something very similar to it in the past. Pleasant. Is that the one from Ossian? Is that Stuart Brewing? Sorry, Stuart Brewing? Is that Stuart? Is that Stuart? Aye, Ossian, it looks really familiar. Uh, no, Ossian's, Ossian's somebody else. Stuart, uh, Stuart do the 80 shilling that they sell at commercial. That's uh, what I mean. Shilling that we drink in the commercial, is that Stuart? Yeah. yeah. It's a good brew. Um, I picked up that today, Colin, and I put it back. And I don't actually know why I put it back. Um, but uh, it was at like, Aldi, like 179 in Aldi at the moment, didn't it? It's, it's pretty decent, like considering like when we first started doing this three years ago, Stuart was like proper niche, and yeah, you, you generally you had to go to like the crappier shop to get Stuart, and it's now it's pretty good. It's good stuff, like a good brewery. And as a week, they're um they're eighty shillings. What you can buy their eighty shilling and our local as well, which is pretty smart. Um, yep. James, what have, you what have you brought? Oh, I, I'm I'm very ba- I I do quite like my fancy craft beers. As a rule, but I'm being very basic tonight. I'm just drinking a blue moon. Just, like just label the camera. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, 
like a, a, a nice wheat beer is usually my go-to if it appears anywhere like on the menu i'll have a i'll have a ho garden um yeah. or a paulana bicer or um anything like that. that's generally kind of like what i go straight to if i'm drinking beer um like just down the road from where i live there's this um place called arcadia which is like a like a really nice kind of craft beer pub that does all sorts of like you know local brews from kind of all over all over the north of england on kind of like a rotating menu and that's usually really really nice i had um i had like an insanely good sour beer there a while back which is like i mean i don't know what what your what your uh, opinions are guys but um like i've come around on sours in a big way recently especially in like the summer months like the mm-hmm. i i i i'm also a huge fan of sour beer. I think anything that draws your cheeks in. Um, hmm. it's, it's horses for horses. That's why there's so many good different craft beers. Uh, you know, I, I tend more towards pills and, and IPAs. So, but, uh, yeah. I tend to go light beer, like um, uh, like a wheat beer or a sour in the summer. And then in the winter, I just go like full porter. Just like anything to like hold me down yeah. in the wind. Something like that, just <laughs> yeah. in, in saying that, I had a nice porter at the weekend when we were at the pub quiz. Mm. Uh, pl- plum porter, I can't remember who was the brewery. It was um, um Titanic Brewing, Titanic Brewery Brewers, yeah. Plum porter, that was that was quite pleasant. It did have a bit of a plum, plummy flavor to it. I don't know where what are some taste. good, what are good, some good uh, breweries in um, in, in your neck of the woods. Well, I've got several. Yeah, it's really mm-hmm. nice brewery. Well, I think it's the brewery six, I think. Yeah. Beast, beast brewery well, down the road. And then, what's that? Inner Bay. Inner Bay. Inner Bay. Inner Bay. I've got like, my, probably my favourite wheat beer. You mentioned wheat beer. They do a raspberry wheat beer, mm. called, um, which is outstanding. That's really, really nice. Called, it's named after like a raspberry coloured gemstone. I can't remember what it's called. Um, so all the other bays are all the other bays are named after precious stones, aren't they? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, we've had a couple shut, unfortunately. Like I noticed when we were a cool, which is like obviously one of our favorite was one of our favorite breweries in the area that they shut a couple weeks ago, and they uh, so have, uh, I noticed that um, there's a, the brewery up in Kelty are have ceased trading as well. Oh, is that blunt uh, chisel? Blunt chisel, yeah, they've ceased as well. So, oh boy, that's a shame. Yeah, it's yeah, a, a tough market, I guess, as people kind of cut back on what they're spending. You know, what do you what do you cut back on? You cut back on your luxuries and you know, the yeah. slightly more expensive. Um, beers. Just particularly yeah. these breweries that are in like small places as well. Like, so I know there's a bit of a scene in Edinburgh at the moment down in Leithway. I also think like they've got so many pubs down there that like. It's, it must be quite, I don't know, because I don't know how business works, but it must be quite easy, A, to open up your drinking space, but B, get your beer into other pubs, because you know, there, there's like hundreds within walking distance, you know, so, um, but yeah, um, no, there's there's loads, I, I would, I, well, locally, Innerbay, I would probably say Innerbay and Beef would be the two that I would recommend to anybody, so next time you're up this way, James, or next time we're with you, we'll bring something down, because I love the beers, man. That'd be great. Um, oh. Actually, uh, when you're talking about sours there as well, I'm not a massive fan of sours, but there is a brewery in Edinburgh called Vault City Brewing, and they they, they do, do tons of sours. Yeah, they do tons of sours, including 
an iron brew one, which is quite good. And uh, okay. and and uh, they, they did like a mango one, which I had in Harrogate when we were down for Thought Bubble last year, mm. um, which was I thought was really nice as well. I don't I don't normally go for sours, but it caught my eye and it was really tasty. So. Oh, I might have had that. Was that that like um, like that place that did the big burritos where they had the uh, the pre like the wheat like ale house? Was yeah, it was called like the wheat ale house or the little ale house or something. Yeah, it was something yeah. like that. It's just across the road from the venue. Yeah, just up a wee bit. Yeah, it was I good. Ha- I think I might have had that. Yeah, it was nice. That was good. It was um, totally right up our street. Like we really enjoyed it. And uh, as I had it, I think I had it because I was like, "Oh, Vault City are from Edinburgh," and that's quite. This is quite far for an Edinburgh brewery to have, like quite a small Edinburgh brewery to have a to have a tap. So we're like, "Oh, what's that?" So that's all good. Um, a few weeks ago, I think I tried one called a white, the White Hag, and it was a watermelon IPA, and it was a sour, a watermelon IPA, and yeah, it was, it was the worst thing I've ever, I've ever tasted. <laughs> we grade them on a on a sort of shared page that we've got, and um, we put up new beers that we try, and uh, I graded this one one out of ten as the worst beer I've ever had. <laughs> it was what, like, what? Worse than Tenants or McEwen's Lager. I, I would I would drink Tenants or McEwen's Lager, or Forex or you know, <laughs> Kestrel. Do you remember Kestrel Lager? I would drink all of Kestrel. Them. I remember <laughs> Kestrel Lager. Yeah, absolutely. I never had it. But, but we're not beer snobs on this show at all. No, no. I I saw a dude walking down the street with a can of Kestrel the other day. Make <laughs> I was like, oh, oh boy. Yeah, I've seen Kestrel. Years. My dad used to drink it back in the eighties and nineties, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it was a pretty cheap beer back then. I think it was. That's why my dad wouldn't drink it. <laughs> Maybe he's just got the same can. He just keeps refilling it. Maybe. 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 I've never had Kestrel, but I do associate it with being the kind of beer that somebody would drink walking down the street. You know what I mean? Like it's just like it's got that kind of like it's got that kind of vibe about it. I think. It's a road um, it was one of those ones that was back in the day you could get four cans for, I think sure in the 80s when my dad was drinking it, it was like four cans for 89 pence or something like that. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Picking up on the way home from work on a Friday, eight, eight yeah. cans. Eight A's. <laughs> eight A's. So I think eight whenever somebody talks about getting cheap beer, yeah. eight A's. So. Um, what, uh, what are you drinking, Andrew? Uh, as usual, I've picked one from a box. Um, I'm drinking a very pleasant um, beer bibliotech. Uh, here comes the sun, modern hazy pale ale. Um, very bright. Can they've not put an awful lot of effort into designing their thing? You get you get the feeling, you know, this is something which has been popped together on um, on probably Microsoft Paint or something like that. Usually, uh, <laughs> but it was the first one that came to my hand in the fridge, so I've got it, and it's it's very pleasant indeed. You can see how very hazy indeed, very fruity, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful. Just what I want, on, on, like you said, about sours, um, there. It's on, on a summer summer night when it's a bit warm. That's that's the kind of thing that I want to, to suit me. Nice. That's cool. Lovely. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know why I picked this. I'm drinking a, a Mallow Magic Stout. So I think we talk oh, about how stouts are a winter beer. It's a Marshmallow Rocky Road Stout. It's fine. Nice. 6.2%. Yeah, that's all right. I've had that, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, it's just nice. It's, it does feel like I'm drinking a dessert, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know my thoughts on this, mate. It's marshmallow and, and, and Rocky Road and stuff like that. There's just some things. Why? Why? Have a dessert, have a beer. Why do you have to put the two of them together? I just don't, 
I've got to ask, um, Andrew, are you are you a, a pineapple and a pizza person or not? Absolutely not. It doesn't belong there. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had door pineapple and a pizza, man. Obviously. No, no, no. <laughs> awesome. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, that's by Stuart Bruin, who are, again, like 179, 179 uh, in Aldi just now. They're doing like, they kind of do craft beer. They, they always have like a rotation of decent craft beers. Um, and that's just good sugar and you know what you're getting. It's really good, it's really tasty, and it's really quite reasonable when it comes to price. So, yeah, it's all good. Um, so, James, uh, do you want to talk a wee bit about, like, La Mariposa? What, what if it was, um, who is she, what is the series, and why should, why should we all be really excited? Because... Um, sure, yeah. So... The general idea with the legend of La Mariposa was um, there was like a there's a lot of wrestling comics out there. There's a lot of really good wrestling comics out there. Um, a lot of them are very very focused on um, telling the story of someone rising through the ranks within a promotion and becoming kind of the champion. Um, they tend to be kind of work almost like a TV drama and kind of like it's it's like you know fantasy booking in a real thing. And that's like really, really cool. Um, and like, I read a lot of comics like that, but um, I got into wrestling as a youngin from like back in the days of like full kayfabe where like wrestlers were big meaty dudes who beat the hell out of each other, but they also had like jobs or <laughs> like superpowers. So like, yeah, there's a wrestler um, and he is a uh, like um, a tax collector. And there's another one who's like a cop, um, you know. But he's also just a dude who just beats the beats the like the hell out of people in the ring. Um, but then at the same time, there's another dude in the background who um, is like a living dead man um, yeah. who is like he he's an actual undertaker. Like I knew what. I knew The Undertaker before I knew what an Undertaker was, which completely warped my perception of, like, the Wild West and kind of, like, the funeral industry for, like, a couple of years. But, like, what <laughs> I wanted to do with the series is I kind of wanted to lean into that uh, and combine sort of the, the tropes and traditions of kind of wrestling and kind of the magical realism of the suspension of disbelief that kind of, like, the audience is expected to have. Um and blend it with kind of like one of my other great loves, which is kind of really pulpy genre fiction. Um, so I tend to pitch it as Conan the Barbarian, but with um, shining wizards instead of swords, you know, um, and, you know, less less dodgy race stuff. Um, <laughs> and that's the kind of the idea is like trying to make it feel like each story feel like a pulp fantasy story like a samurai movie like a wild west kind of yeah. story where the character you know this character comes in camera left encounters a problem resolves it or in some cases doesn't resolve it or it sets up events that allow it to be resolved and then exits stage right yeah um that kind of episodic format and um i was always really fascinated by kind of like the concept of like the masked wrestler as, a, as it exists in Mexico, you know, all the kind yeah. of like 
intense stuff like um you know the the obvious one is like not being allowed to show your face in public so the mask yeah. becomes your identity which means you sort of like subsume who you are to become this larger than life kind of person um you know kind of like it i like i'm not operating nearly on that level but it's like i'm always really drawn to the stuff that kind of grant morrison talks about in their work which is like you know the stuff they did in the invisibles where they kind of like the whole point of these invisibles were that these there were people who like crafted their identities yeah. uh, and became larger than life figures. That's kind of the, the 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 internal logic that informs kind of the world of the of like the legend of La Mariposa, um, and also just other stuff like you know the fact that like um, um, you have like wrestling dynasties where like you know sons and daughters and grandsons and nieces and nephews and granddaughters and all sorts of people can like wrestle under the same moniker using the same move set and then you can even use that to tell a story in the ring you know so like you're watching a match between with with cody rhodes yeah. um and someone trying to hit the bionic elbow which was his father dusty rhodes is like signature move on cody that gets an instant reaction from the crowd because it's and there's no reason why it would it wouldn't be an issue in like UFC or in a boxing match? Oh, he used that very specific punch. No one really cares. It's an effective punch. In wrestling, though, it takes on all this kind of narrative weight to it. So what Absolutely. I try to do in the Legend of La Mariposa is kind of like, um, I guess, literalize that into the structure of the world where these, the suspension of dis of disbelief, no longer applies because that's the reality of the world that the story is set in. Yeah, um, totally. Um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of it. That's, it, that, that's certainly when I've that's read it, um, and I've um, yeah. when I whenever I've read it, um, I've always kind of got that vibe. It is like my my kind of understanding is like is it Lucha Libre in uh, Mexico and uh, South, South America is about like I don't know. It's almost like, it, and I, I think you, uh, the, I always get to say to when I think about Larry Mariposa and the Sons of Justice. It's like. And, and when you mentioned the things about them having jobs and that as well, it is like you're just catching them. They, they, you know, they're, they're resolving a conflict that exists on another plane somewhere. And actually, you're, you know, and it's all kind of like, um, certainly with like Lucha Libre stuff, I've always just kind of like, because they, 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 they're so, some of these dynamic characters, it's almost like when you're watching a wrestling match, you're just catching like a snapshot of like a bigger thing that's going on, that's going on elsewhere. And I always kind of thought, well, I'm Mariposa, it's like that whole thing where, uh, um, like in the demon gauntlet where she kind of goes from like it's like to the shows to different locations that, that you say to enters a space deals with that deals with a conflict in a wrestling match solves a puzzle and then moves on and it's like um always kind of think like that's always kind of how i always thought of wrestling it's probably why i was so drawn to it it's always like oh dear yeah. I'm, a, I'm back. I can hear all you. Can you all hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sorry. Sorry about that, guys. Well, I'm a total rant there, and probably nobody heard it. But uh, just, um, I was going to think uh, there was a wrestling story with Eddie Guerrero. You mentioned that thing about like the bionic elbow and like, oh my God, I can't believe he'd use that. When anybody does anything Eddie Guerrero esque, whenever anybody does like the three the three suplexes or the, that, that thing where he does that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but also just like, that whole thing where like all conflict are resolved in a wrestling ring, and that's what I love about La Mariposa, where it's like, you know, in, in pro wrestling you have that thing where it's like, 
you know, actually your son's not my son. Your son's my son. And they're like, oh my God, well, let's, uh, let's, have, a, let's have a match where the, um, Duncan, the adoption papers are hanging from the ceiling and the person that grabs those adoption papers not only wins the match, but also wins custody of, of the child. It's like, I love that whole, let's resolve everything through wrestling. Obviously, Lama Raposa does that quite a lot. Where it's like there was a there was a recent similar thing. It wasn't nearly on the scale of the Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio custody kind of battle, uh, but they did a thing recently in AEW. There's this dude called Wardlow, who's just a beast, and he's been doing a storyline <laughs> where he keeps getting escorted to the ring by like a team of security personnel, um, and every single time he would just beat the hell out of them. Like, because they, you know, he's Wardlow and he can't be contained. So they did a thing in recent weeks where um, they filed a class action lawsuit against him for assault. And then somehow they logicked it out where the class action lawsuit would be dismissed if uh, Wardlow could beat them in a 20 on one handicap match. Um, and they said so it they wasn't just good. Had that match like, was incredible, though. Where he was like pinning five of them at the same time in that. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was so. It's that kind of cartoonish kind of like where they make the character, the guy, look superhumanly strong. There's like literally a bit where he like stacks three dudes on top of each other and just puts his hand on them for the pin. It's oh, good. It, it, it's um folk that just folk that don't follow wrestling just may must. It's like what the. What what are you on about? But it's just so silly and it's so stupid. And if you can lean into it, um, it's great. And it's, I think it's the perfect place for a comic because so much of so much of comic and so much of the wrestling world is comic booky. It's um, you know, so like, it's about superheroes and like suspension of disbelief, which is a big part of comic books as well. So, um, I think what you've done is married them together perfectly. Um, and one of the other things I think is absolutely amazing about La Mariposa is that it's a strong feminine, uh, sort of strong female protagonist is, is your main character, you know? Um, th- yeah, the thing with like La Mariposa being, uh, being female presenting is um, I don't write, I, I re- try really hard not to write her any differently than I would a male character. Mm. Um because um, I just didn't really... Because I, I, I set out... I decided I was going to have a female protagonist because I thought that was more interesting for the type of kind of like... Because, you know, my, my previous kind of like aborted series that I did way back when I was first starting out, that was all dudes. The cast was just all dudes. Um, and I felt like I, I did a couple of issues and I felt like really silly. Um so I decided really arbitrarily that, okay, well, this time the main character in this wrestling comic that I want to do is going to be a girl. Um, and I've never really kind of like, um, really kind of given any consideration to like how Lamara Posa as like a woman would handle any given situation because uh, it doesn't come to bear in her character at all. She's yeah. not really, I don't think of her as a man or a woman. I think of her as a, a luchador. Like I try not to use the the gender specific terms of luchador yeah. and luchadora in the same way that like I don't really like to use actor or actress because it's not like a differentiation that I particularly care about. Because um, as soon as you make that distinction, then all of a sudden it invites various kind of cultural questions about like uh, feasibility of this, that, and the other thing. Um. 
Yeah. So it's just much more, much more interesting to me to just sidestep it altogether. Uh, and just kind of like, if, if she was a dude, um, she'd pretty much be the exact same character. Yeah. That's good. Thing. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And, and when, when you explain it like that, you, you are like, absolutely like, she's a strong character, regardless of like, she's just, she's just strong. And she, she is like, like, She's quite a complex character. I, I love particularly like I, I love the journey she goes on in, in almost all her stories. Particularly um uh, the Demon Gauntlet is like it's probably one of my favorite comics ever, to be honest. Just the 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 journey she starts on isn't the one she finishes with, and that's amazing. And that's like a massive part of the story. Um and quite reflective of just life in general, isn't it? Like you're it's a bit, you know, she starts she starts her she starts her journey in one place and ends in a completely different location because of her, you know, her experiences on the way and her interactions on the way. It's just a great story. Everyone should read the Demon Gauntlet. <laughs> it's great. Thank you very much. Uh, I will be um, offering copies of the Demon Gauntlet as an add-on mm -hmm. uh, in in the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I have really limited stock on them, by the way, um, and I don't know when I'm going to do a reprint of it. So, don't sleep. Me. So this, this is the new one here, isn't it? Vulcan's Challenge is the one that's out um, on Kickstarter. When next week, isn't it? Next Friday, July first. Yeah, yeah. Super so over. yeah, yeah. Next Friday. Yeah. So you've got. So, it looks like you've got a, a whole bunch of uh, opponents lined up there on the cover. Do you want to tell us maybe about a few of those? <laughs> I love this man, like Oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, sure. So the idea with this comic is. Um, Basically, I wanted to kind of do a story that was built around a wrestling match because all my previous stories have been more kind of like quest-based. She'd been going to like locations and helping people out and they've been more sort of conventional sort of like fantasy stories except, you know, with wrestling in them. And I kind of wanted to do a story in this that still had that kind of like that fantasy feel um, but was along the stipulations of a conventional wrestling match. Um, and I decided, because I hadn't really done it before, that it was going to be a battle royale. Um, and, you know, it was an opportunity to introduce a bunch of characters and, and a bunch of specifically human luchadors, because I know the luchadors that, like, she fought in the Demon Gauntlet, they were all demons. They were all kind of like these artificial mm -hmm. beings. Um, so I wanted to introduce some, like, some human opponents to indicate that, like, you know, as well as the Sons of Justice, there's loads of these people kicking them out, each kind of working their, walking their own individual roads to glory. Um, and then beyond that, the consideration for the characters was really, like, um, creating a cast of characters that you would be kind of, that were diverse and yeah. that hopefully were, like, varied enough that people could, like, pick their favourites which I think is a very important part of like uh, the Battle Royale match format is everyone has the guys, oh, I like that guy, I'm rooting for him. I hope he doesn't get eliminated. Oh, he's been eliminated. No, I like that guy now and that kind of thing. Um, but the characters also that you wouldn't mind seeing eliminated. So yeah. I tried to design characters that kind of like could easily code as like a heel. Yeah. So that was pretty much the design logic. So I had like Outlaw Biker, um, mob boss, um, kind of elitist, kind of art snob. Um, 
had the cat and dog themed wrestler who were basically I wanted two characters that obviously had a rivalry and you know what rivalry more iconic than cats versus dogs and then I'll be perfectly honest um the um the German wrestlers Sturm and Drang and Hornet the bee themed wrestlers uh I came up because I came up with really quickly because I didn't I realized I didn't have enough wrestlers to film the beats <laughs> for the story I wanted. Uh, and then the uh, Los Hermanos Carapazos uh, on the top left there, the Armadillo triplets. Uh, I don't want to say too much about them, but I would say that did you know that the giant armadillo gives birth only to quadruplets? Oh. So that's a little factoid for you there. Yeah. <laughs> It's a tragic backstory, isn't it? <laughs> so good. Um, so what's well, what's the format of the Battle Royal? Is it like all in the ring at the same time or is it a, is it a, a rumble? So the format starts with, um, in this particular case, it starts with them all starting in the ring and then it's no holds barred and then when there's only two left, it shifts to a conventional yeah, okay. uh, pinfall match. Just because... Um, bunging someone over the top rope as a climax to like a story is a little anticlimactic when it's already been done like 14 times. Mm. Yeah. So shifting it to a pinfall means that, you know, characters can hit big moves. Um, you know, you can have like a climactic moment. You can have kind of the, the big victory, you know, without giving away who actually wins. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have a more sort of like, pleasingly appropriate kind of like dramatic climax. That's good. That's good. I'm excited for it, man. Um, how much, uh, I was going to ask this before you said that, how much, how much thought went into each guy? Did you have like, did you have specific beats you wanted to tell story? Did the, did the story inform the characters or did they, um, did some of the characters inform the story or? Um, so the characters that had the most thought applied to them um, were the one, the three in the middle. So Vulcan, King Healer, and of course La Mariposa. The, the, the people around the side are, you know, they serve their roles. Um, they may wind up having further stories down the line because that's one of the great things about kind of introducing characters like this. You can always bring them back. Um, in fact, one of them already has a substantial story because I, I did forget to mention it. Uh, but um, the character down at the bottom left of the cover is uh, is is Great Carp, who appears courtesy of uh, Josh Hicks. I was going to say, um, I, I was like, is that? I don't, I don't want to be presumptuous and be like, oh, but yeah, I, it's like it's a wee bit like Josh Hicks's guy. But it's Josh Hicks's guy. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's Josh Hicks, uh, courtesy of. Um, courtesy of Glorious Glorious Wrestling Alliance. That's amazing. Uh, you know, I Josh Josh Hicks is a mate, and like I was kind of like, you know, I really like the idea of um, creators like allowing their characters to kind of cross pollinate in a yeah. way. Um, so he's very gracious and let me kind of like pop Great Carp into into the story, and he's such a fun character to draw to draw as well. <laughs> totally. That's it. It's Ben saying that he uh, he is uh, he loves the legend of Lamar Raposa. 
Ah, cheers, Ben. Thank you. That's good. Um, you must be proud. You must be proud that you managed to pull something together because it's um, like I, everybody that I know has let, read it absolutely loves it. Like I don't know anybody that's read it and been like, oh, that wasn't my thing. Like folk are just folk just love it. Like oh, that's um, good. Um, I think even if you don't necessarily love wrestling, I think it helps. I think you could read it, and if you love wrestling, there's there's like sight gags and and sort of certain <clears throat> certain nods to to some of the intricacies of wrestling that are quite barmy anyway. But um, I do like I, obviously, um, and uh, when Colin gave me the claim, he was like, "I've read it, I've read it already, and I really enjoyed it." So it's like you don't need to enjoy, you don't need to know what's what wrestling is, or you don't even really need to know much about Lucha Libre, or or any, you don't really need to know anything, because um, the stories are so strong anyway, that um, you, you can just go with it, which is, I think, quite a testament as well. I have read wrestling comics where I'm like, if you, did, if you weren't a fan of, like, um, I know WWE put out their own wrestling comics, and if you're, if you're not a particular fan of WWE, a lot of what happens gets lost on you. Um, and even if you are a fan of rest, WWE, I've read, read WWE comics, and you're like, this is crap. And I enjoy the product that it's based on. So it always feels like a missed opportunity to like bring your brand into a new market and not make it accessible. Yeah. Because I checked out a couple of issues of those WWE books and like some of the creators who worked on them, phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, fantastic artists, fantastic writers. Um and you know, letterers and colorists and like the whole the whole the whole team. The books are great. Um, but I'm inclined to agree that kind of like much like a lot of superhero books is there's not really a lot there for um, anyone who's just coming in. It's not really kind of like a, a gateway thing. Yeah. Um, with The Legend of La Mariposa, I always try and say to people, it's like, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to dig it. Like, yeah. it's not going to be like um, any kind of like overt re uh, your references to kind of like the wrestling subculture and the wrestling fan subculture is going to be purely in jokey and like yeah. it's a, it's hopefully it's an extra layer that you can dig out um if you want but hopefully if you can't be bothered to dig that far there'll be enough on the surface that you'll be entertaining so like um in volume four which i'm working on at the moment there's a backup story that revolves around one of my favorite pieces of wrestling culture uh which is the steakhouse in japan where if you're a pro wrestler and you go there um, and like tell the owner that you're a pro wrestler, um, he gives you a special jacket if he likes oh, well. you. Yeah. And like, so these little satin jackets, they're like little satin kind of like varsity jackets um, with the name of like the steakhouse on the back, like souvenir jackets. They've become like a little bit of kind of like a wrestling heirloom because they're not really available commercially, I don't mm. think. Maybe they are now, but back in the day they weren't. And so it's become like a little bit of kind of like, I think Chris Jericho said it was basically said the jacket basically symbolizes I am a wrestler and I've been to Japan because it became yeah. a bit of a pilgrimage that like American American wrestlers touring in Japan would do is like go to the specific steakhouse and try and get one of these jackets. And like you get some great kind of like anecdotes if you search the web and like stuff like uh, Zack Ryder being upset because the guy gave him a jacket but it wasn't the color that he wanted and the guy wouldn't give him another one when he went back the second time that kind of thing so i did a story based around that kind of little anecdote because i think it's great but like you don't need to know about yeah. this steakhouse and all the, this weird inside wrestling law that kind of surrounds it 
because it's just a goofy six-page story about someone trying to eat a big steak. <laughs> Amazing. Make sure good. Um, how do you? How easy do you find coming up with stories? Is it? Um, do because obviously um, they're they're very varied. Like like the climb and then the demon gun are completely different kinds of stories. Um, um I don't. I don't really know. Like the stories will come to you, will come to anyone. I think like a really unexpected times, um, and it's just basically because like one of the things that I always tell my students is um, you need to be open to influences. You mm -hmm. need to basically become like a sponge and just take in as much as you can, uh, observe, absorb try new things, step outside of kind of like the stuff that is kind of fed to you by algorithm, like mm -hmm. seek stuff out. I'm not trying to sound like old man yells at like cloud computing kind of thing, but like, you know, nowadays you get given a lot of stuff and it's specifically tailored to not be different from the stuff that you already consume. Mm -hmm. So you have to make a conscious effort to like seek out new stuff. Uh, and eventually you build up just a bank of just, scraps of images stories facts data and then at some point you will have like what's called a synectic connection in your head where two odd things will come together and then bang all of a sudden you have an idea for a story yeah and that always happens i find during a period of what i've heard referred to as unfocused thinking time oh we took me constantly like quite a lot yeah exactly so People say, why do, you, why do you get great ideas in the shower? Yeah. Because in the shower, there's nothing to distract you. You're just there having a wash or having a cry or whatever, and you've got <laughs> nothing there. Um, and so your brain will just tick things over. I ha usually have loads of ideas when I'm like working out, doing a bit of exercise. I'm rotten for it because like, I, you know, I take rests and then what's supposed to be a 30 second rest turns into a five minute rest because I'm there like on Google Docs, just like, just scrubbing this idea down. Yeah. Like, we talk about, well, we, we like, talk about that, the, the hoovering, and the I find it if I'm hoovering, doing the dishes or cleaning my kitchen, I'm like, oh, yeah. so <laughs> keep a notebook glider yeah. in just in case. Like, <clears throat> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The amount of times I've abandoned washing up halfway through. <laughs> to like dry my hands so I could run off to my laptop. Um, yeah. So it's really just like you build like a bank of ideas and you just, you read um, and you absorb yeah. as widely as possible. And then that usually becomes the, the fuel yeah. that gives you kind of like an idea that is I, maybe. I, um, I write about that a lot in my uh, comics newsletter. Um, Usually when I've got a new book coming out and I'll, I'll write a newsletter about it. And I usually come up with an idea for a story, but it's only ever half an idea. Mm. And then sometime later on, you know, I could be in the middle of watching a movie or like you say, in the shower or doing the dishes or something. And then this other idea comes along and intersects with it. And suddenly you actually have a story. It's not just yeah. a half a story anymore. It's, yeah. you know, two different things collide and become your story. Oh. But well, you're exactly right. Because sorry, no, I was just going to say, but you've got to be um, open to influence, as you say, and and I find out I, I teach as well, and I find that my students have a very narrow frame of reference. 
They only mm. see, you know, they, they know the video games that they play. They know the movies that are out, you know, the big movies that are around. But they, they haven't read a book since they were at school or they haven't ever watched a black and white movie or they only listen to certain narrow-focused music, you know, and, and they don't have that wealth of experience to draw on. That's definitely that definitely can be an issue, um, but I think it's important to acknowledge that it's not because they're unwilling; it's because that's what they're given. Yeah. yeah. Like we all, all, all four of us come from a generation where we had to like actively seek out yeah. things yeah. that we liked and enjoyed. Yeah. Um, imagine like growing up with kind of stuff just being available, and not just stuff being available, but more stuff that you can ever hope to consume, like in a thousand lifetimes. Um, and you know, enough um, stuff that you don't ever have to step outside of the thing that you like. So, classic example that I always used to give, uh, which is like when when we were coming up, Star Wars was three movies and a bunch of novels and some some comics tie-ins and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So once you exhausted your available supply of star wars you had to branch out and that's where you start to discover you know dune and battlestar galactica and like all that kind of other stuff babylon 5 all that kind of stuff like that right um you start to kind of like seek out because you need to feed the addiction but like you don't have it now it is possible for a person to live an entirely star wars focused life because there is so much Star Wars content out that it, it's nearly impossible to consume it all, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that when the expanded universe first started, and they were putting they were putting out three or four novels a month, um, mm. and eventually there were I don't know three or four hundred books or something like that. Um, mm. Yeah, I thought it was interesting but, what you said about about the algorithm only feeding you what you want. It's, it's difficult sometimes to see something different. Like I use a couple of different news aggregators where I follow different topics from my normal stuff. Because if I just went on my Twitter and my Facebook and, and, and my normal sort of thing, you're reading the same stories, you're reading the same things about the same things, and you didn't, you know, it learns what you like, and it starts to feed you more things like that. Yeah. You, what, you know, you oh, yeah. need to see anything different. It's I very mean, noticeable bought... on Netflix, because um, my wife and I have separate accounts, and my account just shows me all the stuff that, you know, I'm into war and sci-fi and horror. But then I go into my wife's account, and it's completely different. None, none of what I like is on there, yeah. and it's stuff I would never find with it. Actively, actively having to go through, you know, huge lists yeah. to find it. Yeah. YouTube's even worse. If you see, what, like I've got an account with YouTube, and you know, so I do have to watch adverts and stuff like this. But it just feeds me the same things. It feeds me modeling ones and computer game, you know, gameplay yeah. videos and people making things that you would and stuff like this. And I never get, and I know. YouTube has 14 billion videos on there. And sometimes the stuff just keeps on repeating on my feed because I watch the same sort of things. It only feeds you what you've been watching. And <laughs> <coughs> it's just to have a surprise me, which which I, th I think Netflix has now, it has a, Yeah, it does, yeah. Give me yeah. something new. For new, I think, an Australian drama about surfing. Um, a teen Australian drama about surfing. But, yeah, I thought, I'll give it a go. We, me and my friend had an argument. Uh, Spotify's quite bad for it as well. Me and my friend were talking about this on the way down to, um, because he he was arguing that this wasn't the case. And I was like, no, no, no listen. So, like, 
um, if you listen to a song the whole way through, you're going to get that band two or three songs later. Mm-hmm. Whereas if like yeah. you you skip a certain song after a couple of times, it'll just you know it it's it's not the same algorithm as like a YouTube. But it will shuffle, it will shuffle the songs that you're not listening to, the kind of songs you're not listening to, further down your playlist. So ultimately, like. I don't know if anyone's like that. When when you're out walking or you've got your Spotify music on and you're you you you're like, oh like man, Spotify's in a good mood. That was thirty bangers in a row. And it was like it's because like it's 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 picked up on your list, you know, it picked up it picks up on your habits and well, again you have you have to go and find something to, uh, if you want to be inspired because it'll just same thing. see YouTube is the same thing. If you put in YouTube music and you just let it pick the next track, because my wife shares mine, and it doesn't matter what song I start with, I can start with Def Leppard, I could start with you know, you're lordy, I could something anything. At some point, as it picks the track, I'm going to be listening to Ed Sheeran or uh, <laughs> Direction because my wife has listened to them so many times. Oh, that that leads for you. Work its way around to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter where you start. It's not a thrash rock or, you know, German prog metal or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, eventually I'm going to be listening to, to Ed Sheeran singing Thinking Out. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys said like that's that's a fate worse than death. Eh? Like it doesn't matter. It always it always comes back to Ed Sheeran. <laughs> I don't have anything against Ed Sheeran. I think he's pretty bland, and that's how he makes up a shit ton of money by you know no upsetting anybody. And and, and you know, but uh, yeah, surely there's better songwriters out there. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a few. A few. Um, so Kickstarter, um, you've you've run. Two or three successful Kickstarters in the past. Two, two, two hopefully the, soon to be three. Yeah, no, I, I have a. <clears throat> how how have you found Kickstarter as a process, and are you how are you feeling about the one coming up? Um, I like I, I'm fairly superstitious about stuff, so, so like I don't want to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to smash it, I'm going to I'm going to annihilate it because that feels like 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 begging to be punished, but um. I, I, like the first two Kickstarters did really well. Um, I think as a platform, it's possibly one of the most valuable things to happen to the independent arts, in particular the independent comic scene. Nee. Um, in like maybe like 10, 20 years. Um, my speaking personally, my reach through Kickstarter has expanded my audience far further than like I could have possibly have done it myself through the self-finance runs that I was doing. Uh, it mm-hmm. allowed me to publish books in color. Um, you know, it allowed me to publish a 200 page full color graphic novel. You know, I don't have the kind of money where I could just drop that out of pocket, you know, and there are copies of the Demon Gauntlet in Australia, in in Chile. You know, I don't know anyone in Chile. You know, I hope they got their book. I never heard from them. Uh, the address was insane. Uh, if you're if you're listening, hola, that's probably not <laughs> even the right language. Um, but it, yeah, no, that was, yeah. So like I, I I never would have that person never would have found me if it wasn't for Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, sorry, I don't know if you can hear that. My dog's trying to 
get through the door. No, my dog's my been dog's barking also, man. Like... <laughs> my, 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 my dog luckily doesn't bark, but he's recently discovered that he can open any door in the house by headbutting it. Uh, so he just nuts his way through the doors like uh, like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Um, <laughs> so, um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it expanded my reach far beyond the means. It allowed me to work on, like, a larger scale. The audience grows from campaign to campaign. Um, you know, all this with a grain of salt because at the end of the day, Kickstarter is a platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and that platform is a business and they have their own priorities. Um, like I wasn't a fan of their decision to kind of move into web three web three feels like inevitably kind of like, it feels kind of inevitable because everyone see every web service and platform seems to be kind of moving in that direction. Yeah. Um, but you know, this is, this is me showing my, my mercenary tendencies uh, but Kickstarter was too valuable to me as a platform to to pass up. Um, so I, you know, I, I hope people will back the third campaign in kind of in kind of in kind of in in in, in spite of kind of like the dodgy ethical stuff. Um, the campaign is going to be interesting though because it's going to be structured a little bit differently yeah. uh, than I've done the previous two because I'm offering all the extra rewards as add-ons rather than as tiers. So okay. people can can custom build their reward package. So yeah. if you want like the patch that I've made, but you don't want, you're not bothered about stickers. You're not a stickers person. You can sack the stickers off and not feel like, oh well, I've had to pay extra money to get this yeah. thing that I don't want. Where what I wanted was this this book and this patch. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So that's the idea. It might go really well. It might completely blow up in my face. Uh, we'll see. Have, have, you found patches, have you found patches and stickers to be quite a, a, a successful part of the comic? Um, obviously, aesthetically, um, it does it it does have like an appeal. Um, obviously, at a lot of conventions and stuff, there is the whole. Obviously, there's comics and there's there's um there's trade stalls and stuff, but there's also there is a bit like a lot of people doing like you know stickers and badges and stuff like that. I know that you you do them. Do you find that to be quite a is that quite a good bit of your of the La Mariposa experience or is it? Um it's so I didn't get into comics to like bang out stickers and patches. Yeah, yeah no of course. But then I started doing them because they are fun and they are <laughs> fairly kind of they are fairly kind of simple to do. I think they're I think they're valuable because it attracts people who might otherwise have not been willing to make the commitment of kind of the book. So like the vast majority, so I'm, I'm talking outside of Kickstarter now um, because in Kickstarter, the vast majority of people just back for the book and they tend to leave the mm. other rewards alone. Uh, it tends to be a ratio uh, of like 60 to 70% of people just back for the book and mm. then the remaining 30% back for like additional goodies on top of it. Um, at conventions, they sell really well because it's a small, low commitment item. Um, I don't slap my branding all over them, so it doesn't feel like an advertisement. Um, it, you know, becomes like a sticker can be something that you use to enhance something that belongs to you. Yeah. So it kind of like takes it away from kind of like 
this is my story that you are consuming, please enjoy, to this is something that you can make part of your personal kind of aesthetic by choosing to put my sticker on your phone or sew my patch on your jacket or bag. Yeah. You know? So in a way, kind of like, I don't know, it's like the, the patches and the stickers, they almost kind of like hit on a different level because they can use that stuff to say something about themselves as opposed to reading the book, which is more of a kind of like an internal endeavor. I guess it's like mm. an internal or an external appeal, if that makes sense. I don't know if that even makes totally, sense to me. Perfect sense. Um, you're totally right about patches in that as well because, you you know, Buying a t-shirt's cool, but having like having something presented the way you want it presented as well is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The the patches give you a bit of freedom about where you put them in a way that like a t-shirt wouldn't. Yeah. Cause like, you know, and also I just get such a thrill when I see the patch on like someone's stuff. It happens really unexpectedly sometimes. I see people I've never met before and they've got like one of the patches on them. Yeah. I like they've obviously back they've obviously backed the Kickstarter at some point, or they've like bought it from like my web my, my online shop. I like you know you'll see it at like a comic shop. You're just like oh, oh nice. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. Yeah. And you've have you got um if folk want to be looking at this sort of stuff? Do you have an online where where is the, your online shop? <coughs> A, a website that I can direct for. Oh, sure. The um, the web shop is um, Long Live La Mariposa. Yeah. Uh, Bigcartel.com. Awesome. Shop in the private chat for you as well. Amazing. Hey. So, James, I'm, I've got a question while uh, Jeff's doing that. Is that a Jason mask hanging on the door or something behind you? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, fl it's flipped around. Uh, yeah, I got that because I got my second vaccination um, <laughs> on Friday the 13th. All right. Um, and I thought it would be fun to um, basically pop the mask on when I went to the vaccination centre. Uh, but then when I got there... I knew there, there I was going to be a story there. <laughs> I, I When I got there, I chickened out because... <laughs> um, I got there and the volunteers had obviously had a day. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to be that guy. So I just kept it in my bag and then took a little selfie like with my Vax card and the mask on after I left the uh, after I left the convention. It's very dangerous. Right. <laughs> uh, what have you got come up this year? Have you have you have you got any if folk want to so I've put the, the big cartel page up there have you got any conventions is there anywhere people can come and see you and annoy you yeah, well no one not no one ever annoys me uh if you want to annoy me come and see me at work at my job <laughs> that's where i'm most annoyed no i'm just kidding um no so so far the only convention i've got booked um is thought bubble um i would quite like to go to acme back, yeah. you know back up back up by you lot um, I think that's in September. I don't know if applications have opened for that or if I've missed it already. Um, but I would quite like to go for, go to that because um, I've been on record, and I'm not just saying this because I'm like sat in like a virtual chat room with like three three Scottish folks, but like Scottish comics fans are just like some of the best people I've met uh, while I've been doing this. Like, just tend to sort of like stick with you 
um, once they've decided they're going to stick with you and they all tend to be really, really nice. I've never had a negative experience at a Scottish con. Amazing. Yeah. They get Acme, they, Acme, Acme's got wrestling this year, you were telling me, Colin, doesn't it? Have they not, have they not seen... I've heard that there's going to have a wrestling ring there, yeah. I've heard a, I've heard a rumour of that as well. That could be interesting. <laughs> that would be good. That would be cool. Um, we'll see you at Thought Bubble. I think we're, we're all going down to Thought Bubble. Yeah, we're all going to Thought Bubble. Um, all right. That'd be some, good. See you there. We'll maybe get some interviews on because I think I'm going down just as a, a walkabout. Nice. Nice. You, say, you, say, you say that, but I'm going to have you behind our table for so I can go for a walkabout on several occasions during I'll, the weekend. I'll, 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 do some <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll do my usual, uh, Andrew, and uh, I won't be at the table the whole time. Very <laughs> James, you, I don't, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if you became aware of this at uh, Glasgow Comic Con, but um, Colin's got this have Colin's uh, like just disappears, and like you, you end up having to have like loads of conversations with folk who come up and want hand signed from Colin because obviously Colin's a rock star, so they folk want uh, folk want their uh, their commando signed, or or and 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 there was one guy at Acme last time who got really excited when he when he was like. He, he bought one of Colin's comics. I was like, if you can hang around, I'll go and see if I can find them because the the right, you know, Colin Maxwell's here. And he like the guy was openly like laughing at in excitement to see Colin, and he wasn't even there. He was like, I wish somebody, I wish somebody was excited about my comic like they are about Colin. <laughs> he's just, but he's never here. <laughs> it was at the one in Kakodi as well. We did that. Me and Colin did a con in Kakodi last year together, and Colin sold more away from the table than he sold at the table. <laughs> like he just went away, and then somebody would come up and like, "Oh, I'll buy that." And you're like, eh, "Okay." <laughs> it's like every time you get coming back, I was like, "Yeah, it's another tenner, Colin." See, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm better not it's, being there. I'm better not being there. You, you guys do a better job at selling the stuff than I do. It, it's that weird kind of like uh, almost kind of like weird kind of chaos magic thing where it's kind of like, "Oh, table's a bit quiet." Tell you what, I'll step away for fifteen minutes, and uh, yeah, business will immediately pick up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly that. It's like that, but like the absolutely insane. For <laughs> it's like that is this most extreme level. Yeah, thought bubble this year is gonna be amazing. I'm really really excited. Um, and it looks like it's it's, it's going to be huge. Um, I'm I'm very pleased because I've got some of my uh, my recent graduates who are going to be uh, tabling for the very first time, oh, selling their own yeah. kind of like yeah. comics. So like in many ways, it feels like I'm training my competition sometimes, but like. I'm really, really happy for them. That's amazing. That must be. That must feel great. Oh, that's like, good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You'll have to point out and we'll go and we'll go and fanboy over them. Yeah. Oh, please. That would make them really uncomfortable, and I would love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> thing is, now that like they're no longer my students, now I can pick on them. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I I I know I no longer have to be like very nice and understanding. Now I can wind them up a bit. <laughs> That's interesting because because obviously you know your students know that you you're you're into comics, and not a lot of my students don't realize because it's not what I teach. Um, mm. And I can be at a comic con and and somebody will come up to the table and go, you know, and, and you'll just see the look on their face when they realize it's me, you know. And that that happened at, um, at Glasgow Comic Con just uh, you know a few weeks ago. Uh, one, one of my students came up was talking to David um, at the table next to me and it wasn't until he finished talking to David that he looked around and he saw me looking up and he was like what are you doing here? 
This is these are all my books. <laughs> do, do you like present yourself differently when you're teaching compared to like what you're like in a comic con? Because like you 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 folks have seen my my battle jacket that I wear at cons that's like covered yes, in studs and patches yeah. and pins and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't wear that when I'm at work. Um, and like when I'm not teaching, like if I'm kind of like in civilian mode, I'll have like a a beer in my hand or like you know students will see me on the Sunday a thought bubble where I'm obviously hung over. <laughs> so like do you ever have that kind of like that kind of like weird sort of um cognitive dissonance with them? I don't know. They... I, I, I don't wear anything different outside of work as a as I wear at work. You know, it's a geek t shirt, it's black jeans and that's what I wear all the time. Oh, yeah. Um you know so I don't look different at all. Um, I don't think I really present differently, but um, I, I just don't normally talk about comics when I'm at work, you know, because it's not what I teach. Sometimes somebody will ask me, somebody will have found out, or they'll they'll know, or or you know, occasionally I'll find out somebody who's really into comics and maybe wants to write something of their own, and then I'll maybe you know tell them and then give them a bit of advice. But it's, you know, it's, it's usually a surprise to most people when, mm. when they walk into the local comic shop and find me there and then some, somebody says, do, do you know he's a writer or whatever, you know? It's, it's, it's funny because it's, it's, it's like a social thing. I, I, I own a comic shop. And that's my, my sorry, was my full-time job. But it is now, now I work for the NHS. And I, I, from home, and I do a lot of meetings by teams, and I always blur my background because, you know, I'm surrounded by Transformers and Superboy and stuff like that and stuff like this. And I just, I'm not quite sure how seriously people are going to take me. You know, e even now when comics is more widely accepted than it has been at any time in my life, I still just like of that thing. I don't, I'm quite open about when people say, oh, what, what, you know, what did you do before this? And I was like, oh, yeah, I love the comic shop. But, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I mean, I, 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 I use it as a grand I was just going to say, I use it as a grab in my work because really um, my, my, my work, because I work with pupil support, it's all about the, it's all about forming relationships and like you were saying there, like sort of geek culture or, or what would traditionally be regarded as geek culture is so mainstream now um, that it's, 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 it's an easy grab, you know, oh, Mr. Nicholson likes his comics, so uh, I can talk to him about I can start, you know, you can start a conversation being like talking about Stranger Things or the MCU, and then it can move on to, and how are you feeling, you know, and quite easily. So, I, I'm going to try and break in here, guys. I've, I've opened up a second beer. No, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a, for a beautiful can. Look at this bad boy. Oh, Crank oh, nice. juice. Like it's, it's another IPA, but just look at you know, see the last one that, that, that had no effort at all gone into their uh, to their can design. So is this the is this the beer box that came out? Is it beer fifty two that came out this oh, month? I know they just... all, all, my, all my beers for beer fifty two. I just let them deliver beers, and it just that, that covers me on a Thursday evening when I'm drinking something. Is, is it the, the, this month? The, this month, beer fifty two. All their beers are about sustainability, hmm. so like it's all kind of which is pretty cool. I only look because I listen to a lot of pod, we're talking about like things being geared towards you, but all the podcasts I listen to have beer fifty two as sponsors. Hmm. I don't know if that like. You know, you know, I listen to. I, I talk about them all the time as well. So, beer fifty-two. If you're watching, I mean, I, I, I'm giving you free all the time. If you could throw a wee bit of sponsorship our way, in a box of beer for the viewers, you know, that that would be absolutely ace. Oh. <laughs> I listen to uh, Dungeons and I listen to this Dungeons and Dragons podcast. That's American, 
and they're adverts beer 52 to the point that they're like they always go like do you want free beer we you know and you can join beer 52 for as much as oh shit some pounds and they're like so then they didn't go into this like rant about how like they even though they're advertising this service they can't access it themselves mm. so it's like um, all the all the podcasts I listen to use beer fifty. It's either beer fifty two or um, like male grooming tools. <laughs> so, oh yeah, uh, last podcast on the left. Um, that I think they were sponsored by beer fifty two for a while. So they had like their host Ben Kissel, who's just like this giant ginger dude, um, who kind of like has this kind of like folksy sort of attitude, uh, delivering the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Like, um, uh, yeah, they just obviously there's like a demographic of people that listen and um, um, you know take in certain kinds of media. And Beer Fifty Two have clocked it and been like, actually, like Dungeons and Dragons players like Beer Fifty Two, comic book fans like it, um, movie fans, you know, like, and they just all my podcasts are about wrestling. Um, I listen to Cultaholic every week, and they it's Beer Fifty Two that do them as well. Them are Nord VPN. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, we normally about this time, I don't know if you've got anything you want to chat about, James, but we normally about this time in the podcast talk about what we've been reading in the week. Oh, yeah. Um, or, or or just plug comics in general that we that we've, I think other folks should be aware of. Um, does anyone want to go first? I'm just back. So I've, I've really just been reading stuff that I've had in the, sh- the house for a while. Um, so I've not, I've nothing spectacular, unfortunately. I've been reading some Flashpoint books. Um, oh, yeah. That I've, that I've had and sitting in a box here for a while. Uh, because I've not been to the shop since I came back from holiday last week. And I was away for two weeks. So nothing new for me, unfortunately. Nothing to see here. That was a good box that they were in, eh? I've been reading this this re- recently, not not actually like this week, but um, it's something I picked up um, a few weeks back, a couple of months back. It's a- an AWA upshot. Um, I've read a lot of their books, and this was a bit different. Um, in fact, I think last time I was on, I was talking about that crossover genre of war and and horror. Um, and that yeah. seems to be quite popular at the moment. Quite a popular kind of crossover genre, and this is this is in that that genre. It's called Out. Um, it's a World War Two story, um, which well obviously has a horror element to it. And uh, without too much being too spoilery, because um, to be quite honest, it tells you quite a lot in the back. Um, this um, there's a movie from years ago called Wind Talkers, and it was about the Native American Indians that yeah. were used to be kind of code talkers, you know, because it was a, a language that, that, that you know nobody nobody else knew. So basically, they could talk all over the radio in their normal language, and nobody could decipher it. So it's kind of it's a little bit based on that. Um, there's a, there's a character called uh, Nakona, who's a Cherokee um, language expert. Um, and and he's been he's been captured with other people in the, I think in the um, and, and he's transported to Bav- Bavaria to this big castle you know kind of cold it's like, yeah. um, prisoner of war camp, um, but what what he doesn't know is is why why they're being transported there, um, and some some weeks earlier and this is towards the end of the war so the the, the Germans are quite desperate you know throwing everything they can at the war. 
um, you know, because obviously, you know, the, the allies are, are moving in on them. Um, and one of the Nazi officers um, resorts to kind of uh, trying to revive a vampire. So on the Czechoslovakian border, they, they dig up this grave and they, you know, sacrifice people. And the blood runs down to the grave and they, they transport this, uh, this, this, this huge kind of stone sarcophagus. Um, to this Bavarian castle, um, where these these uh, prisoners of war are being kept as well, and then um, I'm just going to say spoiler warning for at this moment in time, right? Spoiler warning if you haven't watched um, Stranger Things recently, but there's a scene in this, and I was watching Stranger Things, and I'll give you a thumbs up if you're not <laughs> if you turn your audio off. I'll give you a thumbs up when we're done, right? Okay. Um, but there's a scene in uh, uh, Stranger Things just this past, you know, past week, um, where Hopper is being kept captive by, uh, you know, the Russians, and they're being fed to a demogorgon that's been been held in this Russian camp. And I was watching that, thinking, I've seen this before. How could I have seen this before? This I've I've seen this this scene. Um, and so I've not given the thumbs up yet, Jeff. So keep quiet. <laughs> He's muting me. <laughs> so um, yeah, and and it's actually in this book because what happens is they take some of the prisoners out and they feed it to the the vampire that they're keeping and they're they're hoping to to um, be able to kind of tame this vampire and use the, use the vampire as a weapon. But what happens is the the, the Cherokee wind talker guy. Um, is actually a language expert, and he understands the vampire, the old sort of Carpathian sort of language that the vampire is talking. And he starts to kind of um, form a bond with this this vampire. Um, and obviously the Germans want to take advantage of that, but he sees it as potentially a way of getting out of the war. So anyway, no more spoilers, right? We're past the, the spoilery um, Stranger Things part. But it struck me that these two scenes were almost identical um, from Stranger Things in this book, though this That's book a, came out a few months ago. This is really interesting. Thank you for uh, thank you for not going on Mark Avenue with uh, the spoilers. Uh, that was good. Uh, given, given, <laughs> given us the given us the, the bumper. Um, <clears throat> That's actually good. Uh, who wrote it? Did you? It's it's Rob Williams, so well known, you know, writer uh, for two thousand AD. And another. <laughs> Uh, Will Conrad and Mark Lesko is the other team member on that. No, it's so, uh, AWA, you said, isn't it? Like, yeah, so, AWA. AWA. So, it's quite like a different kind of book from AWA. Though yeah. I think recently, in the last few months, they have been kind of doing very different books. You know, they started off doing quite a lot of horror type stuff um, and a bit of sci fi, but they've started to move into different genres now. Some superhero stuff came out recently. Yeah. And then this one, this horror war crossover. So, one to look out for, I think. Definitely, and uh, folks should be checking out AWE. I think anyway, like definitely on the up as a comic com company. Um, you're um, John Lee's who did Hotel through them. Um, there, you know, that's been picked up, isn't it? By uh, John, John well, Lee's announced today. Yeah, they're uh, adapted for 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 film. That's amazing. Um, oh, script adapted. You know, it's at that yeah. stage anyway. They're, they're, they're doing that's, the script, that's really so. There's been, 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 been optioned or something like that, which happens to a lot of, a lot of people get optioned and it never ever gets anywhere. I'm sure John's won't because his work is absolutely brilliant, but yeah, hopefully he's going to be the next the next Mark Miller. 
and then we'll be able it's to it's see. It certainly seems to have gone a bit further than the option. I was at a, I was at a, a thought bubble last year, and there was somebody talking about being at San Diego Comic Con, and they're like they send folk from Hollywood, send folk from San Diego, New York, just to pick up every comic that's there, and just they'll go, "Has that been optioned?" And they're like, eh, "No." And then they'll just so they'll take it, and then they'll go, "Has that been optioned?" And they're like, "No." They won't even read the comic; they'll just lift it off someone's table and say, "Has that been optioned? Has that been optioned?" And uh, like, it, it's taking quite a lot of creators a while to realize that that's what's happening. So, folk get really excited, it's like, "Oh my god, we, we're, we're we're you know, we've been considered for optioning." But actually, everyone gets considered for option, and if they're at San Diego, so yeah, that, that's how I got a lot of free comics at Thought Bubble last year. Was uh, I just put on an American accent and it's, 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 it's been, it's just been optioned? It's been optioned. Netflix patch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I might, I might do myself out because if someone like came up and said, "Like, has this been optioned?" I'd be like, "Yes, it's fifteen quid, please." Like, <laughs> yeah. I give, I give away PD, I give away re review PDFs for free. I don't give away. Three books anymore. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and yeah. Who can, who can afford to? Let's face it. Yeah. Exactly. I um. Yeah. I uh, my my book this week that I've really enjoyed. So uh, it's been amazing. Um, I swapped all. I sorted all the passwords out of my comic house. I realised I was I'd been paying for comic house for six months and haven't looked at it because I didn't remember my password. So I went and actually just took five minutes to sort that. And then the first thing I picked up was a. Uh, Wilder, the Wilder Shore, which is by uh, which is Phase One Crossing, so it's the first phase of a comic by J. W. Murray and Stephen Ingram, friend friend of ours. Um, I just really enjoyed it. So it's uh, anyone that's familiar with Stephen's work will recognise his art style. And but it's a it's a really interesting story about the ferry, um, a ferry from from the mainland to where's the ferry going, the Isle of. Can't remember. Uh, what did, what, they started naming Western Isles, and I'll, I'll see if I can get there for you. Isla, Lewis, Harris, Sky, yeah, Mull. Yeah. Yeah. Rossi, Mull. It's Rossi, Rossi, that one. They're, they're on the ferry to Rossi, and uh, as they're approaching Rossi, all the lights go out and all the radios go out, and um, the, the internet's on everyone's phones on the boat, stop working, and um, there's a mysterious passenger on board the boat who arrived late. Who? No, no, no. I don't know, man. That's that's what happens when you go to Rossi. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that, that's kind of a running joke. They're like, oh my god, something bad's happening, and somebody's like, well, no, no, like they'll, you know, there's been power cuts in Rossi before. But um, what, basically, there's something sinister happening, and I don't want to go into too much detail because it's really enjoyable. And if anyone's got Comic House, you can just check it out. It's part of your subscription. Uh, Stephen Ingram. Is a really good storyteller. Uh, I don't. I'm not very familiar with GW Murray stuff, but uh, it did. Um, I just really enjoyed it because um, uh, Stephen Ingram is really good at telling like human stories, um, and this is but this has got a horror vibe to it, and I really enjoyed it. So everyone needs to check that out. Um, it's good. It's good fun. Um, I have read most of the stuff. I hadn't read this because it's quite new, but I have, I've read most of the stuff that Stephen Ingram's put out. Was the left like one of my favourite comics ever, and um, I would like recommend that. Actually, I would generally sit there and go. Folk told me the like name comics that everyone should check out. I would be like La Mariposa, then Left, then a uh, then Sink from John Lee's. So we've mentioned you know all of them on this podcast. So it's good, but yeah, just check if, if you can get if you can get access to Stephen Ingram stuff, you should check it out. And as I said, there's quite a lot of it on Comic House, which is what three pound a month or something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, what have you been reading, James, recently? Um, I've been going all over the map recently, actually. So um, I've actually conveniently got my stack here. Uh, so I finished this off yesterday. The Short While by Jeremy Cerise. Wow. Really, really that interesting. Yeah, that's quite, that's quite yeah. a dense book, isn't it? Well, it's interesting because it's not a conventional kind of comic. It's got kind of comic-y sections in it, but actually the majority of it is kind of illustrated prose. Yeah. Uh, and it's really beautifully drawn. And it's kind of like... Um, it's sorry, I've dropped one of my books. There it is. Um, it's kind of like a, a, a post sci fi story. So it's about two guys uh, meeting, being in a relationship, breaking up, and then the aftermath of that breakup set against this backdrop of kind of this post internet United States where that's just emerging from like an autocratic regime called the administration. But kind of like in finest kind of magical realist tradition, all that stuff's in the background. It's about these characters processing their traumas and their relationships and stuff like that uh, with some really nice kind of emergent world building going on. So that was really good, really rich. Um, Jeremy Cerise draws in this beautiful, um, very kind of, I, I would describe it as gelatinous style. Yeah. Where kind of like there's solid anatomical understanding there, but it's very kind of like a lot of the characters have a very kind of jelly baby kind of quality to them. That's oh, yeah. really good. Um, Scotland's own Chris Baldy mm-hmm. as well, which is which is just you know a bunch of like really short comics, each one in like a different style. Which is like something I'm so jealous that people, when people can work in all these different styles. Um, oh, totally. Got the hardcover collection of Murder Falcon by Daniel Warren Johnson, which is a yeah. must read for anyone who likes music and emotion. Yeah. Murder Fal- Have you guys read Murder, Murder Falcon? No, I haven't. Uh, hard recommend. Um, it's basically about a dude, this guy here who summons this guy here, the eponymous Murder Falcon, uh, to fight monsters, but Murder Falcon is powered by his riffs. So the better he plays, the harder Murder Falcon fights. Um, It's a must-read for anyone who's a fan of metal. It's also a surprisingly sensitive and heartfelt story. Uh, You will get choked up. Uh, And then finally, reading some of the new Lucky Luke stories that are written and drawn by Matthew Bonhomme. And these things are just like, in the classic sort of Franco-Belgian tradition, it's just eye candy. You know? Oh, no, I'll make just you bigger. Absolute... You got that page again? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just absolute bulletproof draftsmanship. Yeah, oh, totally. And storytelling in, that, in, the, in the finest band SNA tradition. I like 999. I guess you like 65 pages of just like, like, you know, the thing about French layouts is that they are dense. You know, these, yeah, these, dudes will, isn't it? Yeah. these, these folks will average like between nine to 15 panels a page. That's, yeah, so that's, the, that's what I've been reading. Oh, hello. Sorry, my dog's just <laughs> invaded. <laughs> Hi. On, how you going? I love you. I love you too. Get on. 
Uh, he's, he's, he's just gone rogue. He misses me too much. I know, I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Come on. My, uh, I've had it all. My kids have been in and everything. They've been more like Pokemon raids and stuff tonight. So. Sorry. I'm sorry about this. <laughs> We're, sorry. Just for context for everyone watching, we adopted a rescue last week and he is very excited about it. Oh, he's beautiful, it. man. <laughs> we love it when the show goes Banksy. Yeah, no. yeah no, we, 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 we adopted him last week and he's incredibly smart, but he's... He, He's very excitable. That's it. It's a picture I found at home. So that's great. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. Beautiful and like a, a good home for a good, good pup. Like Nobody should ever yeah. buy from a breeder. You should always rescue dogs, cat and dogs. Well, we, just, we, we saw him early on when we were thinking about adopting a dog. And we, thought we, we, we decided we were going to do it in February, but we decided we weren't going to adopt until... Um, the early summer because that's when I kind of go on leave mm. from teaching so yeah. then I could be around all the time to kind of help socialize him and train him and yeah. make sure he doesn't destroy the house and all this kind of stuff because he's, he's he's got some uh, behavioral stuff that needs to be dealt with um, uh, and, but we were like well we saw him and we were just like well there's no way he's still going to be there when we're ready to adopt and then we checked again closer to the time and he was he, he was still there because he, he had a bunch of stuff going against him because he's a staffy, which yeah. people have like, you know, preconceptions about it. Yeah. They have a lot of pre preconceptions, false preconceptions about them. And he's, he, he's like, he, he's an ex stray. So they don't know his background and he's getting on for like 10 years. So he was at the center for like 10 months, but we just like, we saw him and we kind of like bonded with him. Yeah. That's amazing, man. and actually, that's what he's needing, isn't it? Like, that's amazing. Yeah, he, he, he's he, 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 he's hard work, as you just witnessed. <laughs> um, but he's, he's he's also an absolute sweetheart. I think once he fully settles, he's going to be an absolutely fantastic boy. Mm -hmm. Oh, superb! Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> no, don't, don't ever oh, no, apologize no, for no, that no. shit, man. That's amazing. We, we enjoy getting a bit of slice of life in the background, and, and that's happened on on several occasions. Yeah, so that, 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 that was a prime example of him being able to nut the door open. By the way, <laughs> it's a good skill. A good skill. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, before we before we call it a day, has anyone got anything else they wanted to plug, chat about, say hi? I, 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 I did. I did want to just do a quick, um, a quick shout out to John Gilbert. Um, I don't know who, who anybody you know there, John. Uh, John owned Comic Crazy Cafe in yeah. and mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, he's just announced today that. He's going to be the fourth comic shop um, in Scotland oh, to close this year. Um, John's a great guy. If you've ever, if you've been at a convention, you'll have seen John. John's the guy who walks about in a white suit, which is covered in comic. Yeah, was like this. Mm -hmm. He was yeah. at Acme when we were there. Um, it, it, ho I'm hopeful that he's, he's not going to just ditch all the stock, and that I'll see him at conventions and stuff like that because he's yeah. a genuine, mm -hmm. lovely guy. Okay. Have a great shop. But unfortunately, the, the, current, the current market's just done for them. So, um, you know, I just want to say to everybody, get out and support us. I was playing D&D last weekend um, with a new social group, and uh, they were all talking about it today. I think a lot of them are from, it's like Scottish D&D players, and I think a lot of them are from the West Coast. Yep. And we're good. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a great shop. And it's, 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 you run Pokemon clubs for kids. Um mm -hmm. He, he just did everything that a good game shop can do. 
and it's, at the moment, it's in the, you know, the current sort of conditions, it just wasn't enough um, to, to keep it going. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, great shame. It's a total shame. Uh, I hope like, so many, I just feel a little bit because there's so many shops, um, comics, beer, um, just like small businesses, isn't it? It's really, really struggling. Yeah, the breweries we mentioned yeah. earlier. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a definitely just, economic climate. Totally, totally, totally. Don't know what we get into politics, but we know what we have to do. We're not going to change. <laughs> 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 right, we're still going there today. Jonathan <laughs> <laughs> can, can, can get the ball rolling today, hopefully, and uh, let's make some changes and <coughs> prioritise. Yeah. Different things. So, yeah. Do you have anything you want to big up, Colin? Um, I just wanted to. Um, I think I'd like to mention start um, in middle of July. There's a, a week or two um, events running in Dundee called Bash Street. So um, oh, wow. obviously tied in with the Beano comic. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things coming up um, for about two weeks from about I don't know maybe about the tenth or something of. July for about two weeks. Um, there's uh, there's going to be a Dennis and Nasher race that people can dress up and, and run through the town of Dundee, run through Bino Town. Um, there's going to be talks. There's going to be art events, exhibitions, pop up exhibitions, pop up shops and things um, around Dundee city centre. Um, that those weeks, so uh, there is a website for it. I, I don't think all the programs fully finalised yet, but um, some of it's there at the moment, and I know some of it's still ongoing, so still in the planning stages. But um, that looks quite an exciting event. I'm certainly going to spend a day or two in Dundee. I think when that's yeah, yeah. that's amazing. It's a nice city. It's um, it's a good place to spend a day. Um, it's a beautiful city centre as well. Yeah. Can I, can, I, can I do some self-promotion? Because I'm really proud of this, baby. Uh, so uh, I uh, only just got into comics a couple of years ago, like producing my own stuff. And uh, I've always relied on other people to help me. And obviously that didn't stop with this. But Jeff the Juniors is my most hands-on comic I've ever... Well, I've only done a couple of comics. But uh, I started a five-a-side football team on in February and thought it was a really funny world to exist in. Like five-a-side football is really quite hilarious um and so i i'd started like like we've talked about tonight i started writing down some of the stuff that i experienced at games or in the changing rooms or like all the random like the random conversations you have online and uh, it's what june and i've got a 20 page comic about it so it's all just about the, the nonsense of football a lot of stuff that like shit that we chatted about in the pub there's a whole story about a, a baked potato which started off as a like, I don't even know, a drunken banter conversation between us three and the commercial, and it's now, yeah, it's out, and uh, I'm really proud of it. It came out quite well. Um, hopefully everyone that everyone that ordered it on Kickstarter will be getting it in the next couple of days because I've posted them all out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice, congratulations, yeah. man. It looks great. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm sure that, and I'm um, uh, congratulations. Um, I don't know if we talked about it last week, but Colin also brought his stuff over. Um, from your Kickstarter, and that stuff looked amazing as well. So, good. oh well, thank, thank you. Successful Kickstarters all around. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that was all good. And the uh, pending one that starts on July first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll be a man. Well, we're sharing the the show of it because I'm I'm really excited. Just 
it's a series that the world needs to see. And um, I did want to point earlier, saying earlier about like the stickers and the badges and stuff. I've got my I believe in Lama Anaposa badge attached to my work lanyard. It oh, wow. and it, it's a great conversation starter, particularly with kids. And then I've got a copy of I've got a copy of your books in in my classroom library. Cause just because it's so it's so easily accessible and it's so silly and uh, we talked about earlier with Colin was saying about how like when you're trying to inspire young people or help young people to become inspired and their their um their experiences and their and their influences are so narrow because of the limitations of what they they consume so I always like like I always find my comics in our school library or my classroom library just because their comics are so like so mad and so wild and so like diverse that actually you know it just introduces very easily very quickly it can introduce people to different kinds of stories so um in that lab mariposa badge i've got like a total star for that who's lab mariposa why do you believe in her it's like over there read it <laughs> it's amazing thank me in 20 minutes you know <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much i hope they like it they all do yeah absolutely um, has anyone got anything else to want to blather about chat about before we call it a night? I don't think so, no. If, if, if you're looking for something to watch um, in this Stranger Things list land, uh, the third season of Umbrella Academy has just dropped on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And I can confirm that the quality hasn't dropped um, from the first episode. Dan's scene is just as genius as the first two series uh, we've got on there. Well, that's good. Um, everybody I've spoke to has said exactly the same as well, man. Like, everybody, everybody's loving it. Um, yeah. the, the boys has been good as well. When you see these with the boys, has been awesome. Mwah! The boys has been magnificent. <laughs> so good. Um, some really, really interesting. Um, some just really interesting character examinations this season as well. Don't want to go any more than that. But like everybody's getting a chance to sign. Even like I always felt like Frenchie and uh, Mother's Milk get kind of like they're there. But they they don't get you know you get bit tidbits about their past, but they they're getting a lovely yeah. service in season three. Yeah, yeah. really and interesting. Stuff. With, with the sad news that so many DC movies seem to be being cancelled, you know, The Flash and Aquaman. Forget Aquaman. The Deep. The Deep is, is way better <laughs> character than Aquaman will ever be. He is, looking, but also is, is, is he better because of all the troubles that DC are having? I was having a conversation <laughs> with my friend Craig about this. How, um, how much of the boy's success is because of how bad things are at DC, or at least in DC's like cinematic universe. I, th I think CC obviously with, with the comic of that. Obviously, the, the main characters are all based around around the big DC tropes. But yeah. the comics, yeah. if, if you if you read the original comics, they were a, a savage attack on Marvel comics. Like every trope in Marvel comics, um, particularly the X Men and that whole thing for the G Men. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the boys has always been an attack on on normal comics almost doing it better and doing it more realistic. It's, it's, it's hard to describe, but I love those comics. I absolutely love those comics. Just been loving. The Deep's probably, I don't know, because, like, The Deep, traditionally in comic, in, in TV programmes, The Deep, like, The Deep's journey would be inspiring if he wasn't just such a massive arsehole. Because, obviously, he, he's, he's gone through, like, public and, like, sort of a massive humiliation in his life, and, like, he's had to go to, like, rehab and do all this stuff. He's still just so intolerable. <laughs> he's, he's horrendous. Even like there was a, there was a, there was an interaction a, a couple of episodes ago between him and Starlight, and it's just so cringe. Where like, yeah, oh, it's just great. I love it. 
Um, <laughs> so all, all sorts of things. So the TVs. I don't know what it is about them releasing everything at the same time of the year. Like at the moment, yeah. you've, you've got you've got the boys, you've got the Umbrella Academy, Stranger Things, first part and second part comes out in a few days. Uh, Obi Wan Kenobi just finished. Miss, Mar- Miss Marvel still going out this year. Uh, they're all on at the same time, and then we're going to have nothing to watch for six months. Oh, you see that Paramount Plus has just dropped in the UK as well, and uh, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm holding off for that because uh, Strange New Worlds is on it. But also, there's loads of films and stuff on Paramount Plus as well. So I'm holding off for the summer holidays. I'm like, I was going to get it and just like binge Strange New Worlds last night, and I was like, nah, nah. Like, like old school Star Trek, like it was originally. Strange New Worlds is absolutely going to be your cup of tea because it's, it's, yeah. it's brilliant. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. And it's the, the guy that plays uh, the guy that plays Kirk's, not Kirk, the guy that plays Pike's incredible. And uh, yeah, he's so good. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I first seen him in Hell on Wheels, uh, where he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and then didn't he watch The Inhumans, where apparently he was really good, but the, the show was, yeah. was very bad. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a very likable guy and does a brilliant yeah. Very likable. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Again, James, like I genuinely like I can't. Uh, I try not to fanboy too much because <laughs> I am I'm a total fanboy. But genuinely, like, gen like, like the, thanks. <laughs> the um, like, uh, uh, I, I I don't I, I try not to throw around the this is the best comic ever stick around. But I do genuinely. I think in independent British comics, at least in independent British comics. You've got a, you've got a, you can, I think Lama Raposa can stake a claim as being one of the best ongoing series in, in the UK or or elsewhere. You know, it's so good. <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks very much, man. I really appreciate that. It's it's always a pleasure, guys. Uh, I always love doing this, uh, doing this show. It's been a joy to kind of get like 75% of the, uh, of the hosts this time <laughs> around. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> We'll, we'll take. We'll, we'll definitely need to go for a, a pint in Harrogate this year. And, uh, definitely, yeah. I want to. I want to try. I, I. I'm gonna try and be more of a, a social butterfly. Uh, a thought bubble this year. I don't. I. I have a habit of sticking with my core of people that I see all the time. I might just go and be go and flirt around. Yeah. The rest of the people this year. That would be amazing. If you can yeah. include us in that, I'd be. I'd be honoured. Okay. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just be running. I'll just be running around and just like Colin. <laughs> you and Colin can like we can time you. You see who can do the who can do the convention for the in the in the amount of in the quickest time. <laughs> um, awesome! Thank you so everyone for joining us, Colin. Who have we got next week? You booked a guest. Oh, I think we've got Monty Nero uh, is coming on next week. Monty's got a Kickstarter for uh, the next. I think it's episode six of Death Sentence Liberty. Amazing. Good. We've had one on before. He's just excellent. Great, uh, a great person to know. So we hope you join, everyone joins us next week and we can have a, we have a lovely chat uh, with Monty. Um, thank you so much again, James. Uh, we'll see you soon later in the year. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Thanks very much, folks. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.